ReachMD XM160 now presents Second Opinion Live with hosts Drs. Larry Kaskill and Michael Greenberg. Hi, welcome to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. And this program is a little different from others on ReachMD. And there are two hosts, and we are coming to you live. You know, we're also here to give you guys, the medical professionals out there, a chance to be heard. Call in, share your thoughts on what's going on in the world of medicine. Uh, Today, we're going to take a little different format as we had a chance to catch up a little earlier today with uh, Dr. James Rohack, the president-elect of the American Medical Association. Yeah, Dr. Rohack was one one of six members of a coalition meeting with President Obama this week to commit to the early framework of a plan to reduce healthcare costs in the United States by, get this, $2 $2 trillion over the next 10 years. Today we're going to find out just what this might mean for those of us in the medical community, and we're going to play his interview in just a few moments. Well, that's not the only thing we have in store for you today. How often do you guys out there use Wikipedia as a health resource? It's actually the subject of this week's ReachMD poll. There's evidence that's showing that up to 50% of docs who use the web for medical and health information are using Wikipedia. Could be uh, a bunch of reasons for this, and uh, we'll talk about it a little more. And we'll stop by the ReachMD forum to reflect on the H1N1 flu frenzy. What can we learn from all the craziness that happened in the last few weeks? Yeah, and neither of us got swine flu. Okay, now, we try to bring a little levity to this show every week. Larry, so before uh, we hear from Dr. Rohack later in the program, we're going to start off on a lighter note. With ReachMD's That's News to Me, we do this every show, reviewing a few curious headlines from the world of medicine. Michael, did you ever think that you would see the word PlayStation making it actually into a medical diagnosis? Especially not a dermatological diagnosis. So have you heard of this thing called PlayStation Palmer Hydratinitis? Well, I haven't treated anybody yet, but I've heard about it, and I've read about it. So it turns out, uh, from the British Journal of Dermatology, by way of the BBC, there's a 12-year-old girl in Switzerland who showed up at the hospital with painful sores on the palms of her hands, and it was not syphilis. And she wasn't an athlete. And it wasn't from opening chocolate wrappers. Right. So guess what it was? It was from her PlayStation. Too much pressure on her palms. Interesting. Well... I mean, kids play with these things for hours, and they're, they're bound to get something if you've got your hands around an instrument like right, that. Right, so what is the cause of hydratinitis? Is it an allergy? Is it infectious? What is it? It's just inflammation. It's just chronic inflammation on the area and the pressure from, from holding that PlayStation So it's different module. than what you get in your armpits, the hydratinitis there, the, like the superativa. Right, that's different. So that's, that's infectious, those are this infectious. one's just kind of pressure and uh, irritation. Chronic inflammation. So you really should limit your kids on what they, they play. And by the way, the, the Wii... There's a the thing called Wii Arm, by the way, which is where getting, you get inflammation in your arm from well, using all those Wii I think things. we're going to see a lot of repetitive injuries from technology. Okay, our next story is really short. It's that you can turn red and blotchy from drinking alcohol. We all know that, but now we have found out that <clears throat> it also uh, gives you a higher risk of esophageal cancer if you turn red. It's genetic. Did you know that? I did not know that. So who, who gets that? Mostly Asians, Korean, Japanese, and Chinese. So if you're in an Asian restaurant, you see a guy turning red and drinking, check him out for esophageal cancer. Hmm. All right. Now it's your turn. The ReachMD poll wants you to voice your opinion and vote. ReachMD XM160 now presents the ReachMD poll. 
So, Michael, you know, I talked about it a little earlier that when you run a Google search these days or Yahoo or whatever you decide to punch in, um, Wikipedia usually pops up at the very top or one of the top one or two. And that may be why doctors are using Wikipedia as uh, their source for health information online. So the question is, um, you know, uh, is this a good thing? Uh, We're doing a a hybrid survey, or actually a hybrid survey was done to look at uh, some phone interviews, and some were also done online. There were 1,900 U.S. docs in total that were looked at across 20 specialties that were recruited by phone, email, snail mail, fax. And uh, it turns out that uh, there's a lot of doctors using this. Guess so, what? I have used it. Really? I've actually looked on Wikipedia for things because it's clear, it's logical. And supposedly, Wikipedia, is, the entries are written by people like you and me who put it in. So, right. So we can go in and change things. How do you actually get to do that? I don't think you get to change it. I think you just get to submit it. I'm not quite sure. But I've actually read some of the Wikipedia entries for things that I've, I've searched, mm-hmm. and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. It just sounds, I don't know, it seems a little strange that we're going to Wikipedia to do medical research. Well, um, it's true, but hey, they should call it something else. What's your reaction? They're, Share your thoughts with us on our website, reachmd.com, where you can vote on the ReachMD poll about Wikipedia. And, um, you know, what, do you ever Google things besides? Uh, I Google a ton of things. I mean, if I have a patient in front of me and, and I want to explain a disease to them, I'll Google something and print something out for them and hand it to them. But I, I guess I'm hearing Wikipedia is okay to uh, use. I think so. I've done it. Okay. Now to a segment we call the ReachMD Forum. It's time to get time to get to something that's on our minds, assuming we have minds today, Larry, as practicing physicians. Some weeks we'll use it as our punching bag for the week and take out a few frustrations, and other times we'll be more positive, sharing an encouraging trend in medicine or an interesting patient's story. But this week is going to be a mix of things. We're going to start with swine flu. I'm going to talk about sw- swine flu. Do you think that Who's guilty here for making a big deal? The media? We are. Or, Remember, we did a show on this two weeks ago. I know. And I was the one saying, uh, let's not get carried away with this. It's just normal flu. It's no worse than any other flu. And it turns out it was totally mild and totally way blown out of proportion. Right. But, you know, one thing's come out of it is that people are actually washing their hands more, taking care of themselves better, except for one instance. I've had a sinus infection all week, <clears throat> low-grade fever, coughing, sneezing. I've been at work every single day. Hmm. It's kind of, uh, we, do- we doctors never miss work. Do you miss work? I do not miss work. Okay. And, and I get angry when patients show up in my office when they've got a cold because I don't want to catch it. And then they shake my hand and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm coming down with a cold. I think like, what did you do that for? <laughs> Yet I've been there all week trying to be as good as I can, coughing and sneezing, wondering, what is it about us doctors that we makes us good, not... We have good immune systems, perhaps. No, but what or is it about that makes us go to work when we're sick? Uh, we want to get away from our wives? No. Maybe we're just scared to cancel our patients. Maybe we're dedicated. Maybe we're just stupid. Maybe we should learn to take a day off. So, you know, I, we talked about the face masks and the, the futility of using face masks a few weeks ago. So, you know, how many cases were there in the states of swine flu? Maybe 90, 900? Not that many. And right. yet millions of face masks were sold. And how many cases of HIV are there in the world, yet no one will wear a condom? Good point. Isn't that interesting? I was at the airport yesterday. I, was see, I saw everybody wearing face masks coming in from Asia. It's hysterical. Michael, um, earlier this week, representatives from six of the key constituent groups in healthcare policy gathered in Washington, D.C. to pledge their commitment 
to reducing health care costs in the United States. Leaders from the insurance industry, device manufacturers, hospitals, insurance companies, oh yeah, and the medical community, stood with uh, President Barack Obama as he outlined the early stages of a plan supported by all six of these interest groups. This was an apparent feat of coalition building that, frankly, we've not seen before, uh, at least in my time. I don't know about you, Michael. Yeah, well, the medical community was represented uh, at these events by Dr. James Rohak, the president-elect of the American Medical Association. Rohak, sorry. We wanted to get a report from him directly on what he sees as the key features of the plan that physicians and all other medical professionals need to be aware of. And, Larry, you had a chance to interview him to catch up with him on, on tape earlier. But i got to tell you, even before we hear this interview, you know, I, I, you're usually more cynical than me, but unlike the Clinton's plan, at least we're all talking but I'm not so sure that this just isn't people protecting their own turf. I, I completely agree with you. They are, they are protecting their own turf. But perhaps something will happen this time. I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. Okay, let's hear what Dr. Rohack has to say. Dr. Rohack, I'm wondering if you could give me a little summary of the work that's happened over the last few weeks that actually culminated in this announcement by President Obama and from all the parties involved. Well, this was a very important commitment of the America's physicians, along with the America's health insurance plans, the pharmaceutical industry, the American Hospital Association, the device manufacturers, and SEIU, to be committed to reduce unnecessary costs in American health care so we can achieve a vision of affordable, quality health care for all Americans that preserves choice of the doctor and the patient of getting the care that's needed and the patient of getting the doctor they want to provide that care. We believe very importantly that this was not a reduction in costs of payment. This is a slowing in the growth of health care. It's anticipated in 10 years about a 6.7% increase. This was to reduce that 6.7% to a 5% increase, so reducing about 1.5%, which equates over a 10-year period of about $2 trillion. Dr. Rohek, why why should I as a physician and other medical professionals be encouraged by this new news coming out of Washington? What what does it really mean to physicians? I think the most important thing is, is as, as a physician and you take a look at your office practice, you know that you spend a significant amount of dollars in office overhead. And a lot of that office overhead is administrative processes that make no sense to you, like being on the phone, trying to get prior authorizations, multiple insurance forms. And so it was important, while the AMA has worked over a long period of time with our specialty societies and states to come up with evidence-based practice guidelines to improve care, it was important for us to get the other components of the health sector that drive up unnecessary costs, like the insurance industry, to sit down and be committed that they will work on getting rid of some of that cost in the system that really adds no value and drives up the unaffordability of insurance coverage for all Americans. It seems that there's now new groups that are coming to the table that are now actually willing to compromise. What, what makes you most optimistic about what's going on right now? Well, I think the three big differences are the American Medical Association was involved with our Voice for the Uninsured campaign three years ago to highlight that 50 million Americans that are uninsured going to the emergency room for care or not getting care when they need it 
live sick or die younger. That's unacceptable to us as physicians. And so we've been working to try and say, with the new administration and Congress, we've got to get something done. The second pressure point is the reality that the Medicare system is broken and in three short years, the baby boomers hit the Medicare rolls. So when you add on top of that a trust fund that's going to go bankrupt, we now have the pressure and the awareness that Congress needs to get something reformed. And we were very strong in reminding everyone in that meeting that the sustainable growth rate formula that penalizes physicians under Medicare for providing better care one year more services one year that their patients need with deeper cuts the next year has to be permanently repealed. The last thing that we emphasized was the reality that our disease burden is going to go up in the United States. You can just take a look at the obesity epidemic with its subsequent problems with diabetes and heart disease as two real issues that aren't going to go away. So that the economic problem that we had recently with layoffs and then people not having health insurance shows that the policies the AMA has had of trying to get a robust individual market along with an employer market with changing how we pool resources to provide care. America's doctors were at the table trying to make sure that physicians continue to have a satisfying career one that you can spend more time with your patients. And to do that, we need to eliminate that cost and having everybody at the table committed with Congress and the, the president of saying, we got to get it done this year. Otherwise, trying to get it done in three years is starting to be too late. And going forward, it seems like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Can you lay out a little brief timeline going forward, what we can expect? <clears throat> Well, I think the timeline of the Senate Finance Committee uh, planning on having a bill marked up and presented to the whole Senate will appears the first two weeks of June. Subsequent to that, the Senate will then go through its order of having an ultimate vote. The reality is the House will also have to deal with health system reform. And then before the August recess, having both chambers pass something out. Now, it's unclear whether or not they'll be able to then get a reconciliation and a final bill to the president before the August recess. Most individuals observing the nature of Washington politics is that that's probably more of a fall timeline. Well, Michael, it sounds like it's going to be business as usual for a long time for physicians. We'll see what happens. You know, we can only be part of the picture here. Well, um, so that's it for uh, Second Opinion Live. I'm Dr. Larry Casco. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. For more about ReachMD Radio and XM160, visit our website at ReachMD.com. And we really thank you for listening. Write to us, call us, give us ideas. Keep listening to Second Opinion because your opinion counts here at ReachMD. Bye-bye.